Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. I'm back from Mobile. It was a, a week-long uh, vacation would not be the right word. Uh, the opposite of that. Lots of work happening at the Draft Network. It was an awesome week. Uh, even better that I got to taste out Bud Light Seltzer. And obviously, Jamie's first question was to me, so what was the best flavor? Uh, it's uh, Black Cherry the God. Um, anybody else who thinks differently, you're wrong. Um, but feel free to tweet at me because I got lots of responses about what Bud Light Seltzer flavor was their favorite. There may or may not be some cases that are going to be shipped to my house uh, for this entire podcast to partake in some taste testing. So I know that neither of the two of you want to do that at all. No, probably. Awful. Yeah, I know. Mm. It sounds I am heavy. down for a good taste test. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So maybe for we have to do like a, a like a drunk history version of a podcast. I mean, like oh see- yeah, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> so hard, just, just pound a bunch of those Bud Light hard seltzers and then uh, try to match free agents with new teams. Oh, I'm in. I am in. This sounds like yeah. Let's just not talk about any news if we do that. I could probably handle that part of it. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll have some fun with that. It's it's prime time for us in AZ. Sorry for. All of those who listen to this podcast who aren't about to enter pool season, but it's about to be pool season, and Bud Light Seltzer fits with that just perfectly. It's really tough. Today's high is seventy-one. I know, sunny. man. It's tough day out there. It's really, really rough for us here in Arizona. It's important for us to lay it on thick for all of you. Um, but yes, thanks again to Bud Light Seltzer, and really looking forward to having the guys try out all of the flavors that we're gonna have. Tons of uh, tons of news happening in the NFL, which isn't a big which isn't a big surprise, right? It's Super Bowl week. There's a lot going on, but I would be remiss if I didn't start at the top of the podcast. I know it is not NFL news, but this week has been completely overshadowed by the passing of Kobe Bryant for good reason, um, and his daughter and everybody that that died in that horrific accident. Um, so I, I know that this isn't a NBA podcast. But Kobe is an icon in sports in general. Um, so to not start this podcast off by at least mentioning him, his his beautiful daughter, um, and the condolences that I know all three of us have for for his wife, who I can't possibly even imagine how she is feeling right now, um, and his other three daughters that are now going to live without him. And the thing that I didn't know about Kobe that I've learned a lot more about in his passing is how dialed in he was as a father and how big of a part he played in, in women's sports. And for me personally, um, that's such a, it's such an, was such an incredible thing to see him being an advocate for women's sports who rarely have anybody advocating for them, let alone a superstar like Kobe Bryant. So again, condolences to Kobe, Kobe's family, Vanessa, the kids, Laker Nation. Um, I know we've had our differences on Twitter in the past, but this goes so far beyond everything in life. So just a good reminder, uh, life is precious. And it, it's all, we should probably start off the podcast every time that way. Uh, but we will move into news here. So let's start off with the Philip Rivers news. And that is that LA, the Chargers will be moving on from Philip Rivers. Not a huge surprise, but it, this is a big deal, guys. He has been there for so long. He is a, a focal, a fixture in this community. 
um, in San Diego, I should say, for, for a very long time. And then obviously just playing with that team. And it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird to see that team without Phil. It just is. Mm-hmm. He has been there for so long. So, Jamie, your reaction to maybe this news and is it the best thing for the Chargers? I think if anyone who's listened to this podcast for a while now knows, you, you shouldn't be surprised by this news. Uh, but Philip Rivers is a player I always have said for the last couple of years is going to be appreciated more when he retires from the game than he is right now. Uh, I think because of some of the other really good quarterbacks that have played uh, in that draft class, in particular guys that have won Super Bowls in that draft class, Eli Manning, Phil, uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, and others, that he, his career has been overshadowed. He is a bona fide Hall of Famer. He is an elite talent in this league. And he is somebody that when he steps away from the game and people kind of have that macro viewpoint and they kind of look back on his career, they will go, wow, I wish we would have appreciated what we had seen in the moment versus in retrospect. Um, So I say that to set up the fact that it's going to be extremely strange to watch. You don't see, I mean, you can count on one hand how many Hall of Fame quarterbacks that basically that play for one team in their career go and play somewhere else at the end of their career. And the, the Joe Montana example uh, maybe even the Peyton Manning example. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, and it's going to be extremely interesting because he had a tough season, but it was mostly turnover-based. If he can regret those turnovers, can regress back to what we have seen normally from him, he can help a team that can contend. And we've talked a lot on this show about where some of these quarterbacks can go and how many teams that are that need quarterbacks, but how many teams that are ready to kind of compete that need quarterbacks. He's the guy that can step right in and help a team get to the playoffs and, and go beyond that. So it's going to be extremely interesting to see where he goes because I do think he has at least another couple seasons left in the tank. He hasn't lost his passion or his fire. I mean, That's for sure. Watch him mic'd up. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know, So he, he can still go. I'm wondering if a change of scenery will be good for him because it wasn't the same not being in San Diego. The play- You hear so many reports coming from people close to the team because the players themselves won't say it. But how disheartening it is to play in that soccer stadium yeah. with all of the opposing fans there. Nope. It is having an effect, and I don't know how to quantify it, but it is having a negative effect overall on the team. And and for those that have been with the Chargers for a long time, that the just unceremonious ripping of the team out of the San Diego community also has an effect on them. So getting a completely fresh start from that, a new perspective, uh, maybe some new toys to play with on offense, I'm really excited to see where he can go because he can help a team win right now. Oh, very well said, Jamie. He absolutely Hall of Famer. You're talking about a 60, 65,000-yard 60, passer before it's done with because he definitely has something left in the tank. I think this year was was an anomaly. It's the only year that he's thrown 20-plus picks like like this. And he might have had another one statistically, but they had to put it on him. You're talking about Ken Wisenhunt gets fired halfway through the year. They changed the offense. They really wanted to go to the run game, but Melvin Gordon wasn't there for a lot of it. To answer Paige's question, no, this is not what's best for the Chargers. It may be best for them moving forward in the future, but they're not ready to. They have a Super Bowl-winning caliber roster with a Hall of Fame quarterback that's not done, who's been there forever, who is your icon. I don't think this is what's best for the Chargers at all. He's going to play somewhere else. He's going to play well for somewhere else. He's the perfect bridge veteran leader mentor to a young guy that's going to take over. Other than you're going to have to compete your ass off to take that job from him in year two, i.e. Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. And I'm not sure there's a lot of these quarterbacks that are coming out to us, some of these guys that are going to be capable of actually doing that. He's one of maybe four or five guys that has the entire playbook in his head at the line of scrimmage and can change every play. He's always putting you in the right position. Uh, 
as in Peyton Manning did. And even though his skills are limited at this point in his career, as Peyton's were, you're always in the same play. That means you're always at an advantage on the defense, which is so hard. And there's literally four or five guys in the league that can do it. I think one of the biggest reasons he's overshadowed is the goofy throwing motion and the dad gummits, and he doesn't curse, but he has this crazy competitive fire where he's talking smack all the time. But it's literally like dad gummit shucks. I, 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 you, know, you can, you can kind of understand where some of it comes from, but um, and, and to Jamie's point too, how he was commuting from San Diego to LA every day, six hours. Like he built like a custom diesel truck to go back and forth. Like I think Keenan Allen maybe was going with him every day. I can't even imagine how freaking hard that is for the length of a season. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's what's best for the chargers at all. I mean, whoever they replace him with, I think it's maybe good for a change of scenery for all parties, but I don't think it's what's best for them for making this run for the next two years that they have the ability to do. Well, and, and to your point about the transition to a young quarterback, wouldn't the Chargers need that? I mean, if your plan is to go out and make – Yeah, everybody's talking about they're going to draft one. If you're going to do yeah. that, you keep him. Yeah, keep him for two years. And that's why – Draft Herbert yeah, if that's your guy. That's why I wanted to bring this up, guys, because I think we a lot of times we talk about the windows, right, and, and maximizing that time where – you're in a certain window with the players you have and, and the players you have to sign and your free agents. And it feels like they're, they're still in this window and that this year was kind of just a throwaway year because we all believe in the talent. They just had a lot of injuries and a lot of things not really go their way, but now they move on from Phil and you're looking and you're going, okay, are you going to be in the market to go get one of these older free agent guys? And why is that a better option than the guy that you had that knew the system. That's my, that I look at that and I go, okay, if, if that's what you're going to do, you're going to move on. You're going to go after another guy who's a veteran. Why him over Phil? And then two, if you're going to go get a rookie, it really doesn't make any sense because one, there's a lot of people in front of you that are drafting for quarterbacks. Okay. Cause now all of a sudden I look at the draft capital and I go, Hmm, if I'm Dave Gettleman, if you're the Detroit Lions, who, oh, by the way, might be interested in moving on from Stafford. Or trading that pick. Or trading that pick. I think that, that pick. third pick is a quarterback regardless That's of who's in That's what I'm saying. Spot. So now all of a sudden, the third and the fourth pick, you're talking about One, more, three, four. And Miami's going to want to move up. Yeah. And even I, if, they, I, if they don't, then, I mean. I mean, they're, I, the, we could realistically Carolina see. Carolina could pick somebody. Like, the all three, we could see three quarterbacks go in the top five. I mean, that's. Here, here's a scenario that works, guys. And one thing we're missing here with the Chargers, they got to sell tickets. Yes. Their licensing yep. agreement with the Rams. The Rams and Stan Kroenke own that stadium. It's not the Meadowlands uh, or MetLife or whatever it is that, that both teams rent from the state of New Jersey. Point, um, they got to sell tickets. And they got to do that. At site. I mean, so <laughs> I don't know how that they're getting rid of Philip Rivers and, and Melvin Gordon does that. Um, but here's a scenario that works. If you're going to go veteran guy and draft one at seven. Andy Dalton's a one-year, seventeen million dollar deal. You draft one at seven. He's not them together is less than Philip Rivers on the salary cap, uh, and I think you could probably get the, the same production out of, out of Andy Dalton. You're talking about a new offense, so you are talking about a new offense coordinator. Even though he was there, you're talking about a new offense coordinator is probably going to change things up, put his own stamp on it this offseason. Not that Philip can't handle that, but he's still learning it. So Andy Dalton coming in there, he'll have enough time through the offseason. Say that happens. Uh, to get connected with those guys. So that makes sense in that regard. But if you're going to go Teddy Bridgewater and draft one, or you're going to go Teddy Bridgewater and, and not draft one, uh, I don't know how any of that makes more sense than keeping Philip Rivers for a couple more years. And I don't know how that sells any tickets. Like I can see Cam Newton selling tickets. That's exactly um, right. Yeah. I, I can't see him winning any games, but I can, see him, I can see him selling tickets. 
Uh, you- and so it's going to be really interesting because when you start talking about owners meddling, guys, we talk about this all the time too. Owners worry about their pocketbooks more than they worry about wins or anything else. And they ain't, he ain't worried about wins right now. He's worried about his pocketbook. The best way he can do that is wins, but he probably didn't realize that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. It's so funny to me because because of our proximity to Los Angeles, I pay attention to that a lot more than I ever did when I was in Chicago. Um, I never really paid attention to what was going on in LA, but because of our proximity and because of the rivalries that exist, I pay very close attention to what's going on in Los Angeles. And one of the things you mentioned, Jake, is wanting to sell tickets because it's Los Angeles, because it's, it's the Lake Show, it's the Dodgers, it's the celebrity market. But the thing that always rings true is that LA will support teams that win because they like winning and they like being cool. And that is synonymous with each other. And if this team goes out and signs, you throw out a name, Andy Dalton or Cam Newton, it doesn't matter if they think in their head that that sells more tickets. Cause I understand from, from the big view, Cam Newton in LA would make a lot of sense from a, Hey, I want to sell tickets standpoint. He fits that market, his outfits, his celebrity, who he is as a person, his personality. He fits LA a hell of a lot more than he's ever fit Charlotte. I get all that. But does Cam Newton win you more football games than Phillip no. Rivers? No. no. And that's what matters. Cause let me tell you, LA is not going to support your ass if you win five games. And look, here's the other thing I know that Super Bowl windows tend to close very tightly, That's very a, quickly. Yep. Ask the Los Angeles Rams. So you don't have to look very far to see an example of that. You're in a spot right now where you have a ton of young talent that you're going to have to start paying in the next couple of years. I just, to me, to be non like you, you could literally be at the point where you're non-competitive, which is not make the playoffs mm-hmm. for this stretch here. Yeah. And if if you if that's what the result is over the last couple of years, and if you go another year or two without making the playoffs or one and done in the playoffs, that's a massive organizational failure. Yeah, it is. And, and we've talked about this team because all of us really like – they're like kind of an adopted team. I feel like we all have really bought into the Chargers in, in this year and in past years and are always disappointed with this team. They're always – it's like we always buy in, specifically last year during the postseason where they got hot at the right time and then went to New England and just laid an egg. I mean, it was – it always seems to happen. And that part of it from – from my fan perspective, because I like Philip Rivers, I'm excited for him to see where he goes because I hope he gets an opportunity to put himself into that Hall of Fame conversation because I agree with you guys. He is a Hall of Famer, but the way he's discussed right now while he's playing is not in that same category. And I do agree with you, Jamie. I think once the once everybody's able to step back and look at it, we'll be able to appreciate him more, but I hope where he goes next he has an opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl fast so that people can appreciate him while he's playing and not have to wait until he's retired to realize this dude is a hell of he's a hell of a player but more importantly he's a hell of a competitor right we talked at the top of this about Kobe and all. I aspire to have that level of fire and man Phil has that crazy competitive running down the field talking smack but not saying any curse words. I mean, he's it. He is running down the field. Those are some of my favorite highlights of him, and I that makes me lo- like really like him. And I hope he ends up in a really good situation. Yeah, that, well, one thing that can't be noticed, sorry, Jamie, is uh, Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. Could you have two guys better suited or do a better job of leading your franchise as the face of your franchise and your quarterback yep. for a decade and a half? You're talking about two that you couldn't do it more the right way. 
than both of those guys. And you're going to move on from that because you want to sell tickets and you think you're going to win more games or whatever, whatever the reason is. I still don't get it. I mean, in today's NFL, the only way to win, not the only way to win, the, the easiest really way to win is a rookie quarterback contract. Yeah. And we've, we've seen it for five or six years now where that team can make a run. So if they're going to have Andy Dalton for $17 million and you take a quarterback at seven, say it's Herbert, and it works out, you got a, you got a chance to elongate this window a little bit, pay some of those young guys Jamie was talking about. But you you can't talk about Philip Rivers and, and Eli being done and not say like that. You're getting that if you get that guy. You're still getting a quarterback that's leading your entire building, not just your locker room, and doing it the right way. And look, we we have been part of the the Philip Rivers stuff is we have been spoiled as fans in the last fifteen years or so. And by the way, it's a good thing of great quarterback play. Yeah, we have. I would say go back and I, I remember what that early 2000s quarterback play was. Go back and look. If you don't remember, go back and kind of look at some of those teams. And and, and we'll talk about where they, there were some good quarterbacks, but there weren't these elite, elite, elite level. We were talking about the best. Of, there were, you know, there was Peyton Manning and there were, you know, Tom Brady was doing his thing. This was a little bit before Tom Brady was really putting up those huge numbers. He did that more in the mid to late 2000s. But we had good quarterbacks, but they were brief. You had the, the little bit of a Dante Culpepper run. You had the Donovan McNabb run. You had the Carson Palmer run early in the Cincinnati. You had some of these pieces, but we're so spoiled now where we have four, five, six guys that are in the league that are either going into the Hall of Fame in a couple of years or are young enough and are playing at a high enough level that we project them that if they stay healthy, they will be Hall of Fame contenders down the road. We didn't have that when Rivers and Manning and Roethlisberger came into the league. We didn't have this just influx of all these hot, young, great quarterbacks at the time. And it's so interesting to see what has happened now that we've almost – we lose the appreciation for those guys because it feels like we have one or two guys coming to the league every single year uh, that are doing like what Lamar Jackson did, what Patrick Mahomes did. Uh, and, and I think people don't understand. That is so rare. Yeah, and it is. And we need to appreciate point, how, how rare the talent of Phillip Rivers when he came into the league was. Yeah. It's, it's That's a great point because you're talking about we, – we've almost six first-round quarterback talents this year, but there's not six teams that need to go in the first round to do it. The ones that are going to do it are all in the top seven or eight now, and you might have one outlier that wants to trade up. But you're talking about like, Jacob Eason's a forgotten guy in this draft class, and I promised you to, to with everything I know about quarterbacks, when the combine's done, they're going to be going, oh, wait a minute, we, we should have been talking about this dude the whole time. And he's just sitting back in the weeds waiting right now. They're talking about maybe dropping in the second round, whatever. You put all these guys in one room, and the last couple of years, Jacob Eason's the top guy coming out. This class is loaded, but there's not that many teams that need it. To your point, Jamie, of how many freaking teams are playing with really good young quarterbacks and how many veteran stars are going to be out there available. It's the craziest offseason I can ever remember. We're talking about the most important position, the hardest position in sports. And it's probably the easiest year to get pretty good play, to get one of these guys. Yeah. It is. It's it, and and not only that, but we're talking about fixtures, right? Guys that we've become so accustomed to seeing in their communities for such a long time, right? Now we're going to see Philip Rivers playing somewhere else. Eli Manning's retiring from New York. Andy Dalton, who's been in Cincinnati for a really long time. Cam Newton potentially, who's been Matthew uh, Stafford, Matthew maybe. Stafford, Tom Brady, maybe. Tom Brady. I mean, it. That, we're talking about. I mean. That's a lot of people, guys. That's a lot of quarterbacks. Those are a lot of quarterbacks we've been watching for a long time, and it's going to look a lot different. And like Jake said, like that creates for us this fun dynamic because there's going to be so much change in the league at the top position 
that usually we're looking for guys to just stay there and there's not this big changing of the guards, but there is. And it's, it's going to be really fun to pay attention to. It's going to be really, really fun to pay attention to. Uh, one of the other things we wanted to talk about here was uh, the GM that got hired in in uh, Cleveland, Andrew Barry, youngest GM in the NFL, 32 year old, 32 years old, came back from Philadelphia, went to Philadelphia for a year now back. Uh, listen, guys, one of the things I, I spoke to you guys about coming into the podcast is I like that we're getting known for talking about what happens in the front office in the league because it doesn't get talked about enough people. There's a lot of misconceptions about what happens and how it operates and all that good stuff. This is an interesting move. Um, it's not a surprising move. There were a lot of jokes that were made yesterday because the whole front office like went to Ivy league schools uh, and they're kind of joking about the Browns being the Ivy league school now and how, what, what does that actually have to do with football? Right. A lot. Uh, so I'm going to let you take this one, Jake, because I think this is an interesting hire and I'm not one that looks at it and goes, Oh, he's 32. He doesn't belong. He's got a good resume. He spent a year in Philadelphia learning, um, and we'll see if it pays off. What are your thoughts on this hire? I think it's awesome. I mean, they went young, so it's inexperienced, but I love the fact that he has control of the 53-man roster. That's, they gave them that. They put that out in public. So hopefully it's not this crazy, weird dynamic where everybody's running to Haslam like, like spoiled kids trying to figure out who he's going to say, oh, no, put your brother down, quit, stop all that. I, I hopefully, and I, we talk about it all the time, if him and Stefanski can be on the same page, I like this a lot. You're talking about a guy that played quarterback at Harvard and don't tell me that a bunch of Ivy league guys in the front office don't freaking matter. It it damn sure matters. Maybe not in scouting in football specific terms, but it damn sure matters when you're running an organization, having the best of the best. If you're going to run a presidency and you have a bunch of, I mean, you're not hiring a bunch of dudes that went to Mesa community college. I'm sorry. Like it's not happening. You're literally looking at Harvard, Yale and, and all that. Uh, This dude's a rock star. They let him go for a year. Apparently, he was vital in what Philadelphia was doing. He was in on every every decision as a player personnel director or vice president of player personnel. I like it. Um, they're both young and they're both inexperienced. Compared to what the Giants are doing, where they have four head coaches that Joe Judge has hired at college or NFL level on that staff, that's an experienced staff that Joe Judge is putting together. This one, not so much. And this front office doesn't have the same experience. But I love the fact that they're going to go with this and ride it out. They gave him a five-year contract. And I love the fact that he's a young minority guy that's going to put a, a, a bullseye on himself to maybe point the direction of a lot of other organizations if this works. So I love that aspect of it too. But the 32-year-old part doesn't bother me at all. No, and, and I think people always have this weird idea in their head that like the GM is the, the god of the team and he has no, there's nobody around him. Yeah. And there's no, like, he's not getting him. Like, it's, a, it's a team. And yes, the buck stops with him before it goes to the owner uh, or, or the team president, depending on what the organizational structure is. But you still have – you still delegate a lot of tasks. You still have a lot of things around you. The GM's not the one that's doing the area scouting, okay? So uh, I think sometimes people <laughs> – Yeah, man, that's a great point. Let's break that down for a yeah. second. So I don't think a lot of people actually understand the dynamics of how that works. I mean, most organizations, you have a GM and you have an owner as his boss. Now, that GM has the head coach. If, they're, if it's a good organization, they have the input of that. And the assistant coaches, but they also have all of their area scouts, as you mentioned. They have their national director of college scouting. They have their vice president of player personnel, which he was, uh, which means you're looking at everybody in the NFL and the available people that you can bring in. And then you probably have one or two other guys at that top level, uh, whether it's your head of advanced scouting who's doing all your advanced stuff. Um, each team has it a little bit different when you're talking about front office. That's one of the problems with the Bengals is they don't have area scouts. 
Like their scouting department and their, their front office is minimal compared to a lot of other places. But when it comes down to it, that's usually the setup. So I'm glad you brought that up, Jimmy, because I don't think a lot of people understand the dynamics. Like the GM makes every decision on his own by himself, live or die. We need to fire him every two years if we don't win. That's not the case at all. And the only the ones you see the most success with are the ones working hand-in-hand with the head coach. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that organizational synergy, I mean, it matters. It, 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 matters in any, it matters in any sort of business. I always come back to this. Yeah. I think people think that because it's sports that it, it operates differently. And it's it's a different profession. Don't get me wrong. There, there are nuances that, you know, you know, I, you don't go into the boardroom and start hitting people, you know, 16 <laughs> weeks a year. Hopefully. I don't you, know. I don't, you I don't, might I don't, want to. I don't know how GM does their board meetings, but I'm just <laughs> – but it's also in the sense of you still have to, the principles of managing people, managing finances, managing a structure, working within a system. All that still apply here. Of course. You're still dealing with human beings. You're still dealing with finances. You're still dealing with egos. It's just in a, in a hyper-competitive, athletic, physical environment. 100%. And arguably the leadership that is involved when you are leading this many men with this many egos is harder to do than it is to do anywhere else. And that's why you have to trust the people that you have that you hire. That's why it's in, when we talk about the dynamic of not hiring your guys, that's why that matters. Because if you have, if you're, if you're the GM and you have all these guys underneath you and you're forced a guy that wasn't somebody you hired on you, that's a tough pill to swallow because it's not, you have to have a lot of faith in that person because they have a lot of responsibilities that at the end of the day, you're on the hook for. And if you've ever been part of a company that has done a takeover or yes. a or a merging and, you, and you've been either a company that was being merged into or you came in with the new company and you've kind of seen how the people that were already there, how they treat and interact with the new group of people, whether it's your bosses or coworkers, yeah, people great, on the same level, point, you have seen that friction and that tension. And there's a human nature to go, well, we've always done it this way. What is the new guy or girl going to tell me what to do? Because we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. And it takes a special person to take that over. That's a great point, Jamie. That happens in sports too. Yeah. You know, the one weird thing here is this, the whole analytics thing still bothers me in Cleveland. That's the like, who's talking to Haslam and does Stefanski still have to meet with the analytics guys on Friday and all the crap that we put out. Uh, I, that still bothers me, but I, I give Haslam props for realizing they had a really good one in-house and they let go because they had Dorsey and they hired Freddie and they realized that they got it wrong. So they went back and got the guy that they, they saw as a rising star that maybe quite wasn't ready yet and the candidate that they liked the best last year but didn't hire and brought them both back. I like that. I just That, that whole dynamic of who's meeting with who, when, and who has the final say and the power structure and the power struggle that's been there that's gonna, that sounds like it could stay, that still bothers me. Yeah, it's to be determined, right? We have to wait and see how this all shakes out to to be able to have a fair understanding of how this is all going to work out. Because from from the outside, there's the optics. I like part of it. And then I also know because of how we know the, the Browns have operated for a very long time, there's a lot of question marks. And we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out. Especially if they don't have instant success. Exactly. If they start the season two and four, for example. Again, how patient is Haslam? How how patient are they? Does this structure get – even the structure they have in place, does it start to get blown up mm-hmm. if they get off to a bad start? Hopefully yeah. not, but we don't – I don't have the confidence to say I know that for sure. There's yeah. one other hire that happened in Cleveland that I do love that I think is worth noting is Bill Callahan is the offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. He did a hell of a job in Washington this year when he took over as interim head coach. He's always been a damn good offensive line coach, former head coach. Uh, low ego guy, great guy to have on your side as Kevin Stefanski as being the head coach, a guy to lean on. 
a guy that did it last year. There was a head coach of the Raiders. He's been there and done that for a long time. I think that's an awesome hire, and it's probably the weakest part of your team that needs the most help immediately. I don't know if there was a better guy they could have went and got. Yeah, it's one of those hires that's not going to make a lot of headline news, but it's one of the head. It's one of the. It's one of the things that I could see ending up in the headlines halfway through the season. Right? That's why I want to mention it now, Paige, because I, I think you know, we, that's the great thing about our show is we we point out a lot of stuff like that that matters to winning mm-hmm. games, and this is going to very much matter to Cleveland winning games, and that their fans should know. Especially because you're talking about first-time head coach. Bill Callahan has been in the league for a very long time. He knows how the league operates. He was running Washington and pretty well at the end of the season, if you were paying attention, considering all, all the things and the dynamics that exist in Washington. This is a good hire. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how this how this all plays out in Cleveland. I, As we've discussed, we all like Baker. So our, our, our assumption is we want, or I assume you guys, as I do, I want Baker to have success. I want Cleveland to have success. I like Cleveland as a city, as a sports city. There's, they have suffered so much that I want to see what it would be like to watch them win because I know what it was like when they had, I don't know, they won five or six games with Baker and it was insane. So I can only imagine what will be like, oh, by the way, next year when they head into the draft and being in Cleveland as oh, well. Sure. No, Man, I, I, I want to see it for the fan base. I want to yeah. see the players. Yes, right. absolutely like, for that fan base, man. They're amazing fans. Yeah, amazing fan base. It will be super fun to see how that all shakes out. And and mostly I just because of because of the humbling that Baker took this year or what I hope he took this oh, year, I want to see how he rebounds. I'm it's one of the more interesting things to me that I want to see play out in the offseason is how much of Baker do we see? Right? How much of how much of him and in the offseason and whatever, and the first thing we got was him at the Connor McGregor fight sitting next to Miles Garrett and the camera and the camera points out Miles Garrett and they do not put Baker Mayfield on the camera. And I was like, Well, if you if you had even an understanding of where you should check your ego, you should really check it now, Baker, because they just put your teammate on camera and glossed right over you. So we will well, see. It wasn't a fight. So if you're going to highlight one, Miles Garrett's probably the way to go. That's true. Yeah, that's that's that is fair. That uh, is fair. Again, I I am rooting for Baker. Yeah. I I I want it. I'm rooting for him to for him success this off season and earn it on the field next year because I think he's got the talent. I think he's got the right attitude. But this could go. This is a crossroads. It's an earlier yeah, crossroads. Great point, Jamie. It is damn sure a crossroads in his career. And it it's going to go one of two ways. Either he he's talented enough and he's cerebral enough. If he puts his head down and and get and works this offseason, says, you know what? I got humbled this year. I'm going to be a better leader, a better player, I, and I'm going to show these MFers what I'm about. I, they've forgotten how good I am. I'm not going to tell them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them. Yeah. He will be successful. If he gets, if he gets defensive, <laughs> if he gets the I deserve, if he gets the oh no 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 this was just an anomaly, he will not have a successful career. Yeah. And, and what path he takes this offseason is going to go a long way in determining which which it, his ending destination is. So I'm really excited to see what he does. And what, most importantly, I'm very excited to hear nothing. If I hear nothing this whole offseason, that's a success for me. And then go prove it on the field. Because you know what? The, as quickly as fans are willing to, to crap on you, they'll bring you back. Oh, yeah. You have three, four, you start off 4-1 and, and you're slinging the ball around. Baker mania comes right back. It's recency bias. The NFL, more than anything, rides that wave. Okay? We saw that happen. We talked about it this year with Lamar. How how Patrick freaking Mahomes was forgotten because of Lamar Jackson. It, it It's not hard 
to, to, to come back and rebound, but you need to rebound. You need to stop doing commercials that we all see. You need to just take, take this off season and be quiet. And by the way, that goes for Otto Beckham, who's oh, yeah, already having a brutal off season. A, that is exactly goes for right. Jarvis Landry, who again, nothing, not that much off the field, but you know, stop with the come get me stuff. Yeah. Just shut that goes up for a lot of these yeah, guys. Just be quiet. Yeah, there's a way to handle this. What I want to see from Baker is what we just talked about, about Philip Rivers and Eli Manning. Leadership. Cut your flipping hair. Figure out what your damn facial hair looks like. Put on a goddamn suit that fits in a freaking press conference. Stand there and be a man. Be a man and be the man of this organization in this city that the rest of those guys are going to follow. Because if you're acting a damn fool and you haven't grown up yet, none of them are falling in the suit. If you stand there and you grow up and you mature and we don't hear anything out of you this year and you look like a professional in your press conferences next year and you stand there and answer the tough questions and you be a freaking man, not a little boy, it's time to grow up and be a man and be the leader of this franchise in this city, like those two perfect examples we just talked about, that's what I want to see from Baker. Because the stuff on the field will take care of itself. That's the stuff he needs to get done to get there on the field is take care of all this other bull crap. And the season they just had opens the door for that because there's not a single person, excuse me, not a single sane person <laughs> in that locker room that can say, oh, I wasn't a part of that last year. Yeah. I puff out your chest. Oh, I, it wasn't me. Every single player in that locker room failed on one way or the other. 100%. So there is room for somebody like Baker to go up there and say, I'm the quarterback. No, it's not somebody like Baker. It's Baker. Yeah. It is him. He's the dude. The one ego and superstar and bigger than everybody there is the quarterback. And it's him because of what yeah. he's done. It's to him. If this doesn't happen this offseason, his career is in a highly likely to take a downward spiral, and he's not the quarterback of the Browns in another couple of years. If he figures this out now, we're talking about Philip Rivers and Eli Manning, 16 years and a Hall of Fame career. He has that potential. But he's but he got this, this offseason is pivotal, and to me, it all hinges on him growing up. It does. It does because you can't expect that the other guys we just mentioned, right? Odell, Jarvis, all the other personalities that they have that exist. The only way that they are going to to fall in line, okay, and and check their egos is if Baker leads by example. He has to. It is paramount for them. And I understand. It's just the dynamics of what exists in the NFL. Yes, Odell and Jarvis are older than him. Yes, they should figure it out and do it as well. But they're not going to because that's just not how it operates in the NFL. Baker has to do it first. He has to lead. He has to show. And if that happens, they will fall in line. But if it doesn't happen and he continues to be this boisterous, loud, obnoxious version of himself where he's arguing with fans and getting into it on Twitter and doing all this stupid stuff, guess what's going to happen? We're going to continue to see all that crap, all the antics from Odell and Jarvis because they're looking up at the quarterback going, well, if he can do it, so can I. They're also going to jump ship off of that shit, after off of that Baker Mayfield ship, and that locker room will turn on him quick. Paige, you love when I said it last time: substance over swag. Yep. Look what Lamar Jackson did this year. He sat there quiet and let everybody else talk about him. Yep. You didn't hear about him talking about how great he is, whatever else. He just sat there. He put on some sunglasses and it was cool as shit. But there was substance over swag. Do that because if you want the flag and you want the accolades, the substance has to be there. The rest of it's just flash. The rest of it's this BS society we live in, a social media fakeness, right? You, you can't have the swag without having the substance. And the Lamar Jackson example is the perfect example because last year, again, nobody this offseason is saying Baker Mayfield can't play quarterback. No. Last year, people were going, oh, this Lamar Jackson thing, that was fun for a few weeks. He's done. 
He can't play quarterback. They, they need to go find somebody. He's not going to be the guy. It was a flash in the pan. Then he's going to go out and win the MVP. Now he's going to hear some of that again because of the, the bad performance in the one playoff game. But I mean, he was a guy that again put his head down. Wait, 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 Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. What did you say? Play, playoff game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's something new for Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's th- be an upgrade for Baker Mayfield to have a bad playoff game. That's Let's exactly that's exactly right. Yes. Go, go do something that matters. And the, what Jake said previously is the substance over swag. The greatest players, they don't have to talk about themselves. You know why? Because everybody else does the talking for them. Their play shows, and everybody else will talk about it. Don't go in there and talk about how great you are before you've done anything at least let your talk match your play yes. i'm fine with that if your talk matches your play i'm fine with that it's when there starts to be an incongruency it's when there becomes a problem and it better not be after game one i'm just telling you that much yeah you but that's a that. that's a slippery slope just shut up and grow up yeah yes you could talk I, next year when you win the mvp or you guys make the playoffs you could talk a little bit but 100%. until then shut up for the entire season just grow yeah. up go win something and then let's have a conversation yeah. until that happens go win the division Go win a playoff game. Go win something that matters before you talk like you have. Because I will be, I, trust me, I will be all aboard the hype train next offseason if he does that. I, I, I will love it. But it hasn't happened yet. And I can't, I can't board the train that hasn't even started yet. Because it's not, it hasn't started. It's still, it, it's still sitting on the tracks. I was the conductor of that son of a bitch of him coming out of college. <laughs> you know that? Yes. Give me Baker Mayfield at the Heisman Trophy with a suit that fit and a nice polished look, and you spoke well, and you had a little class about you, and you looked like you were about to lead a franchise. Don't give me the one you got now with the freaking, uh, like, molester uncle freaking trench coat look with the jacked-up mustache and your hair all over the place and a hat that doesn't make any damn sense. Don't give me that, Baker. No. Give me the professional guy that's a franchise quarterback that's going to lead this franchise. Give me that guy. I'm with you. I am with you. All right, a couple other pieces of news here that we want to get into. Jamie, the Packers likely releasing Jimmy Graham, um, something that – I don't want to say uh, he had a couple of he had a couple of good playoff moments um, this past uh, this this during this playoff run, but for this entirety of his Packers career, really since he's left New Orleans, he's gotten paid like he was the Jimmy Graham in New Orleans, but we haven't seen that guy, and and I just don't. If you can't make it work with Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. It's probably not going to happen. And I know Jimmy Graham's a talented dude, but ever I don't know if it was system or scheme or, or what it was. We just never saw that guy again. And it, this isn't a big surprise to me, Jamie. No, and it's one of the weird scenarios where I haven't seen such a precipitous drop in production for somebody that was felt like a safe pick. I mean, I remember when he got traded to Seattle for Max Unger and a, a really good starting center and a first-round pick. I mean, yeah. that was a massive haul the Seahawks paid to get Jimmy Graham. It's terrible and, trade, by the way. Terrible <laughs> trade. Not to be. Uh, and he just never – we kept waiting. Like, okay, I mean, Drew, going from Drew Brees, like, oh, normally be, there'd be a downgrade. Well, you went to Russell Wilson, and then you went to Aaron Rodgers. And you never really found a rhythm. You were never even – I mean, you were barely even a league average receiving tight end uh, in those two destinations. So it's a very – it's going to be a very weird career. I bet. I mean, he's going to sign on somewhere for not a lot of money. Um, it's just going to be a weird – when his career comes to an end, it's going to be a weird way to look back because he was so dominant. I mean, he looked like a game changer in New Orleans and then just never was that player ever again. Uh, you hit the nail on the head with two points there. Receiving tight end, he never became a complete tight end. He could never block. He never developed into the former basketball player, Tony Gonzalez, that was a star 
that could also block and do it. And the money. He's made a ton of money in both places. They had to cut him. He's a salary cap killer with the way that they're paying him right now. You could go get three guys to replace him, get better production, and not be paying him anywhere near what you're paying him. Yeah, I think it's only like three point seven million of dead cap. Yeah, uh, they had him, so. they had to they had to they had to make this move. And listen, they know talk about Super Bowl windows. They know they got a window here with Aaron. Go look at how much more money he's going to be making in two years on that cap hit. It's <sighs> it's a lot of money. Yeah, they, they they have to they have to figure this out. They know this year they got a little wiggle room, but they have a lot of holes and they need way more weapons. I, that's I know they were thirteen and three, and I know they had, but. That was they were real close to losing at home to a barely breathing Seattle Seahawks team, and, and that's a team that knows that the Vikings are going to be back, the Bears are going to be back, the Lions might be doing something different. Like it, it was an overinflated thirteen and three, and I think it's going to be really interesting to watch the Packers this offseason. So that's why I like this move. They had to. Aaron will restructure. Aaron will restructure his deal when that cap hit gets that big. He'll take the cash up front, whatever they need to do. Uh, but I like the fact that they're doing this now and they're starting to prepare for those kind of things. Yeah, so this this coming season, he has a $21.6 million cap hit, which is fine. Uh, next year's when it jumps to 36.3. It's a huge um, difference. Yeah, and then, then it goes to... Yeah, but 21 is like insanely cheap. This year, they could make a run. That's yeah. exactly Opening right. Opening cap space up with Jimmy and Aaron being at 21.6, that's crazy. Yeah, that's why I said this is their this is the year. Yeah, because they freed it, up at like eight something million dollars on the cap for Graham. Yeah, so. it it jumps dramatically over ten million dollars. Like it's a lot of money that that it jumps to. So this is this is a good window for them um, with Aaron to to add some offensive weapons. And Jimmy Graham just never really lived up to what they thought it might be. All right, two other pieces of news to get into here, guys. Kareem Hunt. Another. I don't want to say this is not anywhere near on par with what happened before. But what you'll learn is you start to build a rap sheet in the NFL, right? You already have, you start, you start to have issues and then all of a sudden you start adding to the issues and it's just more reason for teams not to buy into you and not to trust you, right? Because everything that happened in Kansas City, he lied to the team, right? They didn't know. He didn't tell them about what was going on. Then the tape was released. Then obviously they let him go. He goes to Cleveland this year. Now he's he was pulled over. He was speeding. He had marijuana in his car. Listen, I don't care. Uh, let me be very clear. I don't care. I wish the league would let players smoke, but that's just not how it is. Not right? in their damn cars. Not in their car. Okay, so you shouldn't have weed in your car. Don't be a moron. Like he started, I guess, breaking down with the police officer, and and couldn't take the test, and and you just it's just another thing, Jamie. It's yeah. another thing now with Kareem Hunt where, the, where it gives teams an excuse to go, nah, I'm not doing it, right? And, and that's, that's, not a good, that's not a good position for you to be in if you're Kareem Hunt. Yeah, it, it's, it's, if you read the TMZ article, it's, it's a very strange story in the sense that the, the officer that pulls them over is essentially acting like a therapist um, and discussing the, you know, Kareem Hunt is, I guess, very emotional. He's, he's – Still hasn't gotten over the Chiefs cutting him, and he said he's lost everything. And the 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 cop who says he's a Browns fan is talking about the second half of the year, and you know, quote unquote, don't piss away your second chance, and uh, over over drugs, all, all, all this other stuff. It's been it's a very strange. It's almost like a um, you know, again, if you're a regular person, you get thrown in the back of the squad car and you go to jail yeah. for the if you go to jail and get cited <laughs> yeah, but be- because you're you're a Browns yeah. player, it's a Browns fan. But regardless of that that Dynamic, element of it, yeah. uh, for Kareem Hunt, look, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, there's a reason uh, – one of the reasons why the Browns signed him was because they would have at least some level of control over his second season. 
Uh, and again, given this latest incident, I don't know what his actual dollar value is going to be. When he's on the field, he's an extremely dynamic player. He's extremely useful. He was extremely useful to the Browns in the second half of the season. But there's a point where, you, again, even though this is nowhere near as bad as the first incident, incident, there's a point where it just becomes too much. It just becomes too much for a team to want to even bother dealing with you. Uh, and look, he's a great talent, but he's not a generational talent. The teams aren't going to put up with this for too much longer. He costs himself a ton of money. Jamie, that's a great point. I mean, guys, what, why, do, why do players play in the NFL? You play for the love of the game, but you do this as a business. You have a very limited window to make a lot of money. For a lot of guys that didn't get college degrees, that don't come from great backgrounds, it is amazing to me how you are your own entity. You are your own LLC and how guys continue to make stupid decisions that cost themselves and their families a chance at generational money a chance at generational changing of circumstance and how guys continue to make stupid decisions and have stupid people around them that, that still affect their bottom line, their business. If more guys looked at themselves as a business, not a brand OBJ, a freaking business and made businesses, he cost himself a ton of money. The play was phenomenal. Jamie, how much better could he have played in the eight games that he was out there? The Browns want to keep him. They'll probably put a decent tag number on him. And somebody probably wanted to match it. He's a franchise three-down guy. I guarantee you 80% of people just went, nah, I'm good. I'll let the Browns deal with this. And, and the problem that I have with it, right, is that he's feeling sorry for himself. Yeah, don't even get me started on that page. Yeah, he's feeling sorry for himself while his former team is, is playing in a Super Bowl. And let me just tell you, I have zero sympathy for this because you only have yourself to blame. It is only your fault. And let me just tell you, the Kansas City Chiefs really wish that they could have Kareem Hunt going into the Super Bowl. I assure you of that, okay? So this is your fault. You have nobody to blame but yourself. You need to stop being entitled and feeling sorry for yourself and use it as motivation to say, you know what? I messed up, but I'm not going to let this happen again because this is excruciating for me to watch my former team play like this. And instead of being a baby about it, I'm going to use it as motivation to make myself the best version that I could be. And I, and I just, I have no sympathy for this crap because I, I, listen, I get it. It should be excruciatingly painful for you to watch the Chiefs in it. It should be, but not painful that you're sitting there being a baby and crying about it. Go do something about it. Go be a better version of yourself so that the so that whatever team you're on next year has a chance to compete for this instead of doing something stupid that's going to take money away from you and you're not going to be able to make generational money because guess what you were a top three back last year. It, it's not that I don't know if you're going to be that guy again because you might not get the opportunity and people might not believe in you anymore. And, and that's your and that is Kareem Hunt's fault. Nobody else. And and I know that things happen and I know that it. But I don't feel bad for him, Jamie. No, and I don't. I don't feel bad for him either at this point. Look, this this is all his own doing. This is this own scenario, and uh, it, it's one of those things that uh, you know it, it's hard to feel bad for a guy when this just look. He put himself in his in this own scenario. There, there's really nothing that uh, nothing really more I can say about it. He cost himself a ton of money. He I understand that he wishes a lot of things, but it was his own fault for him not being in that spot. So. I don't know. It's just one of those things where um, 
it, you, you hate to see it, but it's also like I don't yeah. have any sympathy for him. No, like, I, exactly. I, I, I hate to see it, but I want him to figure it out for himself. I, I don't want him to feel bad for himself. I don't want him to to look around and look for other people to feel bad for him. Because guess what? The world's not going to feel bad for you, man. There's so many other people that have it so much worse. And because you're you're upset because your team's playing in a big game and you're not there, well, guess what? It's your fault. Yeah. Because I, I, like I said, I can assure you, Andy Reid would love to have Kareem Hunt in that backfield. They missed him. From a football standpoint, absolutely. absolutely missed them. That team has not been the same, and it's it's a hell of a testament to the fact that they got themselves to the Super Bowl playing a running back room that just went, we're going to plug and play whoever we can because they had injuries, and they never filled that hole, really. And, and I, they wish they had that guy. Go do something about it, Kareem. Don't be stupid. And, and I get it. I don't want to argue. Everybody, that's why I said what I said. I don't want to argue about the marijuana thing. I know what I know what baseball's done. I'm in agreement with it. I hope that it, it's an. I read the, an article this morning that the NFL the NFL players as they go in to start negotiating the CBA, they're going to talk about CBD oil. They're going to talk about some of these things as they should. But the that the dynamic still exists. Doesn't matter. You can't be smoking in your car, bro. Yeah. Be smarter than that. Come on. It's it's just that's that's the frustrating part because I do I do believe he's a really really talented guy. All right, our last thing here, Jamie. Uh, as you said so eloquently before we got on this podcast, if you listen to our podcast, you wouldn't be surprised by this piece of information, okay? Because if we, if anybody talks about the fact that Taysom Hill, Bridgewater, Breeze, we have talked about this quarterback dynamic, and we have talked about Sean Payton believing in Taysom Hill for a very long time. That doesn't mean we do. We're just saying we know that this is a dynamic that exists because if you watch the Saints play football, if you watch the play calls that happen, you know Sean Payton uses every opportunity he can to make Taysom Hill be a part of it. Yeah. That's I, it. Yeah, and he absolutely does. And I wish, unfortunately, we had some technical issues. I, I wanted Jake to comment on this because he's been the one that, if you've been listening to the show, has been talking about Sean Payton likes Taysom Hill, and he believes Taysom Hill could be a franchise quarterback. Yes. So I thought it was interesting yesterday when that news kind of leaked. I think it was from Mike followers or yeah. Blazer or somebody. Yep. Um, and people were like freaking out. Like, well, you apparently weren't listening to the, the TDN Fantasy Podcast where we've been telling you about this for months that it's not as easy of a decision. And Jake and I talked about this last Friday. This is not as easy of a decision about Drew Brees as people think. If he wants to come back this year, they're going to take him back. But if he wants to come back for multiple years, it's going to be a problem. And they have to make this decision because they're going to, they can't afford to pay Teddy Bridgewater right now. Taysom Mills is a restricted free agent, so they're going to have to tender him and get him a new deal. They can't afford to keep all three next year. So no. if Drew Brees decides to come back, which apparently he wants to take a month or so to decide, it's go- they're going to lose Teddy Bridgewater yeah. as a result. So if they believe Bridgewater is going to be the guy or the combination of Bridgewater and Hill are, are the combo you want, this is going to create some problems for them. And I also understand that Drew Brees has every right to say, I, I can make the decision on my timeline because of course, you were nothing Brees. until I won a Super Bowl there. Yes. But it's just, it's not as easy as people think it's going to be for them to make this decision. And I can't say specifically what I heard or who it came from. All right. I'm not reporting anything. I was just privy to some interesting conversations that happened in Mobile. For those of you who do not know how the Senior Bowl operates, I know Jamie does because he's been there. For the, pretty much the entire NFL community, is in one place. And it's not like Indianapolis at the Combine because Indy is a major city. Mobile is a small place. They're in like three bars. 
you you're walking around, you see everybody, including Bill Belichick and Nick say you're talking call Dabo, like top college coaches, GMs, NFL coaches. They're all in the same place. The scouting guys, everybody's there. You're kind of, you all see this dynamic. And I was privy to multiple conversations where everybody was talking about what the saints were going to do. And a lot of it is because if you're, if you live in the state of Alabama, they are all New Orleans Saints fans because they don't have an NFL team. So a lot of that focus in that state from a, obviously from a college perspective is on Alabama and Auburn from an NFL perspective, a lot of eyeballs, two hours from New Orleans. Okay. Yeah. Mobile's very, very close and to New Orleans. people in Alabama hate Georgia, so they're not going yes. to the Falcons. Yeah, they, they exa- that's, <laughs> that is exactly right. So there was a lot of discussion about Taysom Hill. I brought up what we know and what we said on our podcast in pre- and that Sean Payton is going to tr- – even if we don't think it's a thing or that it shouldn't happen, that's what Sean Payton wants. And guess what? Sean Payton's got a lot of power. And Drew Brees, my expectation is, from the conversations I heard, Drew Brees will be back. He will be a starting quarterback. And Taysom Hill will be back. Teddy Bridgewater will be moving on, finding another team to play for. And we're going to be watching potentially the last year of Drew Brees, um, if not this year and next year, depending on how he feels. Um, but that finger issue caused a lot of caused a lot of hesitation for him because he's a he's a, a true competitor and he doesn't want to compete unless he can be at his full capabilities. But of what I know now, I believe that Drew Brees will be back with Taysom Hill. Teddy Bridgewater will be gone, and if you've been listening to this podcast, that's not going to be a surprise. Yep, that, that's, I'm telling you this for a while. That's where I'm at too. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that there that there, it's going to look any other way, especially after spending a week in Mobile. I it was everybody. They they were all in that same camp, so I can't imagine it's going to go in any other way. Jamie, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Just you know that it's we're going to really get into these the Super Bowl games and the props and stuff. Got um, a lot of fun props to get yeah, into. Yeah, really interesting ones. Uh, one thing that we found out today that, or I guess yesterday, or during some of the media discussions, uh, is that George Kittle's been playing with a torn right labrum. Yeah, I forgot twenty eighteen. I forgot to mention what? that. Um, <laughs> There was a moment, and if you haven't seen it, this will be my parting thought here. If you haven't seen it already, go on social media and Google and and just type in George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. The two of them spent about, I don't know, five minutes just glowing over each other. And it's such a fun dynamic because you look at these guys who are competitors. They're going up against each other in the biggest game, but can take that for a moment and go, listen... I respect the hell out of this guy, and he's so good at this. And they're just, they're honestly, they're fanboying over each yeah. other, and it's so fun to watch. And they're talking about each other's sneakers, and they're they're both into they're both very fashion forward, and they're talking about the off whites that George Kittle got, and and they're just going back and forth, and it's it's such a fun interview. So if you haven't watched it, you should watch it. That's my parting thoughts because I think. I think everybody, if you're an NFL fan, you should watch that podcast or you should watch that that little video clip because it's it's really fun. And like Jamie said, uh, he's been playing with a major injury <laughs> for two years. For two years, and uh, I saw him yeah. run uh, in that game against Green Bay the the first time around, where he had just come back from like basically breaking his ankle and was running all over everyone. And I was like, that's just a tough ass dude. Absolutely. George Kittle's just a tough ass dude. Absolutely. That's that's the parting thoughts here. Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? You follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Follow Jake at Jake B. Arians. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to check out thedraftnetwork.com all week post-Senior Bowl going into Super Bowl. We got lots of good stuff going on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.